It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. two-word review just a shit sandwich. That right there he is a wonderful power. I don't know what we're going to do. We talked about the Muppet thing uh, for 50, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's this episode 47 of Chunking Glasses, the podcast. Uh, we're back in the basement, uh, joined again by Adam this week. Hello, Adam. Uh, Madeline has returned from South by Southwest, which we'll be learning about. Hello, Madeline. <laughs> And Paul Hello. is here to fight me uh, on today's <laughs> show. Uh, this this week we'll be going to be talking about uh, new releases from The Hold Steady and Baltimore's Future Islands. But first we want to talk to Madeline about her trip to South by Southwest. So Madeline? Yes? <laughs> tell us. Was it everything you dreamed of? I'd say so. Okay. I mean, it was definitely a little bit more overwhelming than I anticipated. Um, but it was great overall. I would do it again. How many bands you see? Forty. Holy shit. In five days. How many of them were good? Days. Any yeah. repeats? No, I don't think so. Good. You did it right. Yeah, I don't think so. How many of the bands would you say were good of the forty? I think there were like ten that I would recommend. Right. To that's that sounds like a solid ratio. I to mean, me. not that other bands weren't good, but there were only I guess ten or maybe twelve that I would recommend. To friends to check out. At what point were you just like, I, I gotta go, I have to leave? I guess that happened Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so the festival started, or the showcase and everything started on Tuesday. And so Friday, my friend and I were just like, we can't go wait in line for a showcase. We can't right. sit through eight bands. Um, so that gave us a chance to walk to the Texas Capitol and tour that and, you know, check out the campus. Um, Did you so- see the tower where the, the crazy guy went up with the gun and, uh, Wait, what? <laughs> What's, what was He's dropping name? some history on yeah, you. Yeah, no. There, there was, there was, youths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Charles Whitman. Uh, 19-something, 60-something. The guy just went kind of <laughs> and climbed up to the top of the tower with a rifle. Oh, yeah. Texas style. <laughs> I didn't hear that in my tour. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, in this was, we've talked, you've heard me bitch about South by Southwest a lot. Yes. And, um... The bands you saw, when you were, like, were you there, like, trying to mainly do uh, in discovery mode, or were you actually, like, trying to just see bands that you saw? Because I know a lot of people, uh, some people we know, like, uh, like, do just go down there and they see, like, bands they've always seen before, um, which seems sort of silly to me, given right. the, the, I guess, how many bands are down there at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was mostly in discovery mode. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I saw a handful of bands that I'd already seen before, but they were at showcases with other artists that I was, that I'd never seen mm-hmm. that I wanted to see. Um, so like I saw, I guess some bands that I'd already seen previously were like St. Seneca, Lucius, mm-hmm. um, Gardens and Villa and Kurt Vile. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure like the remaining 36 I had never seen before. Right. You have any of it like, are like your discovery for this like this is like holy shit this is this band is awesome yeah um wet from okay. new york all right rufus to soul from australia okay um jungle they were really fun okay um let's see i have a list <laughs> um yeah so wet jungle horse thief agnes obel pins saint seneca future islands <laughs> um gardens and villa L King, Hooray for the Riff Raff, Lucius, Shaky Graves, Coin, and Ghost Beach. Okay. Rufus DeSoul and Base Camp. Yeah. That's it. So, so it's a pretty good, you know. But, I mean, 40 out of, like, there were, what, 2,000 this year? 
I think over 2000. Over 2000, and then years past, there's been, like, it's been slowly increasing, but I, right. this is reaching a, a critical mass. And that's only the, as far as I know, that's only, like, the official mm-hmm. bands. Right, they have because all the everybody just sort of gloms on to the right. thing. Right, like I, Johnny Skullfuck and the Dad Haters <laughs> are playing at a pizza yeah, I mean, somewhere. Just, yeah. just walking down 6th Street, too, there's, yeah. like, on your left and right, there's all these, like, people just playing music for the fun of it and then there's all the unofficial showcases like throughout the rest of the city right, right. did you have to do the whole like uh, band like get up early and get your band to get in the showcase and all yeah that? we did funny enough the two times that i waited i waited in line for wristbands for fader for and hype hotel and mm-hmm. I actually never ended up going to either of those venues right um but otherwise we got pretty lucky um getting into showcases like we would get there a little bit before it was supposed to start and got lucky getting in so so that practice you getting up in the front row right <laughs> served you well finally yeah <laughs> i mean i that's i think most music festivals it's like to you have to have had that experience to yeah. like really know what to do um so yeah it was it was good. Got to hang out on Willie Nelson's ranch. So yeah. how many people get to say that? That's cool. Mm, lots yeah. of, That's lots awesome. of people are jealous in this room. <laughs> uh, you told me that, and you're like, moonshine. Moonshine, hell. Like, free moonshine. Uh, I, I did like how they were like, they played that. Um, how it was like, is Willie going to show up, or is he not? He did. We, I of actually did. Didn't, I didn't stay, but oh. I know, I know. My friends wanted to go. We, we didn't we went stay, back and to you Austin. didn't go to Lockhart? I know. What are you even doing here? <laughs> If you would, I mean, if I had an extra week, I would have been able right. to do so much more. Yeah. But. Yeah. So you would recommend like people doing South by Southwest like you did? I mean, if you had to tell somebody like, here's your battle plan and here's how to get the most out of your South by Southwest next mm-hmm. year, what would you tell them? Well, I guess it depends if they're willing to do the whole RSVP game, mm-hmm. in which case just be on top of RSVPs leading up to South by because, um, there's just no chance of getting into a showcase if you haven't RSVP'd yeah. beforehand. And if you do RSVP and there's a showcase you really want to go to, then definitely get in line early enough or else you're not going to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was telling you, I think if I ever go back, I'd want to have at least a wristband yeah. or a badge because you at least get to cut all the RSVP people. So yeah, that's how absolutely. I would do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> obviously the, the $1,000 badge. Yeah. We'll, ideally. We'll definitely ideally. To also yeah. attend the conference yeah. and all the panels but cool well hopefully next year like we'll all go i've been yeah. saying it for four years and <laughs> never make it down but cool so now <laughs> we get <laughs> me and paul in the ring uh let's talk about a new album from the old study So that is the first single off the Hold Steady sixth album entitled Teeth Dreams. Name of the song is I Hope This Whole Thing Didn't Frighten You. Not new material for the Hold Steady. I think Paul and I are probably big fans in this room, so there might be a lot of scrapping about this. Uh, Paul, let's, let's start with, for those who don't know who the Hold Steady are, why don't you give them a little intro? Sure, well... Uh I don't imagine that there are that many people listening to this podcast who actually don't know who the Hold Steady are. But uh, this is their uh, their 10th year of existence. They just had their 10th anniversary show. In that time, they've kicked out six albums, all of which I think have something to recommend uh, them from. Uh, three of them are absolute classics. And I think this one... It, 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 the, the first three albums they did were amazing. And I think there was a little drop-off over the last two after they, uh, after they lost their keyboardist. And this one, in my opinion, uh, brings them right back up. I know Kevin disagrees with this, but it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a slightly different sound. They've uh, they've ditched the uh, the piano keyboard sound entirely for this one. Yep. Uh, added guitar. They've got Craig Finn off the guitar entirely, so that he's able to go around and just be uh, be a lead singer and the songwriter for the band. Mm-hmm. So, I think that the division of labor has given them. Um, 
kind of a new old identity right here. They're still the hold steady. They're still singing about the same sorts of things, but I think it's it's allowed them to uh, adjust their sound for the lineup changes that they've experienced and uh, some of the newer life experiences they have because you can't just you can't keep on uh, singing about uh, the city center scene when you're you know twenty years past it at this point. But uh, I I don't know. I, excuse me, but that, that pretty much sums them up. Um, the the first three albums you're talking about are uh, Almost Killed Me, Separation Sunday, which is easily one of the top rock and roll records ever made. And then uh, I, I'll and, agree, Sep Sunday is the best. And that's the best high mark. The and like from my perspective, the next album, which I think is where a lot of people came on board to the old steady, Boys and Girls in America, little cleaned up sound from that. Um, it's like it's like you were saying, Adam. Like they're doing stuff that like people just aren't doing anymore. Um, very like guitar centric rock stuff. Well, it's also remarkably unadorned. You know, there isn't a lot of Pro Tool trickery yeah, yeah. going on, and I, I don't hear like terrible Paul Reed Smith guitars and Mesa right. Boogie amps. You know, I just hear kind of like good old fashioned sort of Fender or Gibson sounding yeah. guitars, and they're not. They're, there's not a lot of tricks. It's just basically right. a song. Uh, the studio is not an instrument right. with these guys, which right. is which and is that, definitely and that, worth it. And that I will concede on this album yeah. is, a, is a change. Um, after uh, Boys and Girls in America, they did Stay Positive, with, which was the last album with Franz Nikolai. You and me, Paul, were talking over G-Chat how I think that was sort of where they started to fall apart. You know, If you figure if you have five creative people in a band and everybody gets like sort of equal measure, mm-hmm. and like you said, we're talking about division of labor – what Franz brought to that uh, really like elevated what they were doing because they, they, they were originally in a band called Lifter Puller that it's just they aren't they weren't that good and that's why they didn't survive. I, I like a lot of Lifter Puller stuff. Of course stuff. you do, <laughs> but but they I mean, they weren't it wasn't bad but it like it didn't survive. And right, well, that was a very different sound too. That was like that was like art punk. Mm, yeah, but maybe I don't know, but. Um, the next album, I think, I, I heard from, I was talking to somebody and they said uh, that even Craig Finn was not happy with Heaven Is Whenever. Uh, well, Heaven, in, Heaven Is Whenever, I think, especially seen through the lens of, of this album now, uh-huh. was the definition of a transitional album. Because I, I guess I, I see a different narrative with, than you do. Like the last Franz Nikolai album there um, sounded like. I, I still love that album. I still love uh, love Stay Positive, Stay Positive, but it's not it's not up to the standards of the previous three. And it almost felt like okay, we're at the end of what we can do with this particular sound. Franz Nikolai leaving could have broken the band up, mm-hmm. and it could have, or it could have completely led to creative stagnation. And I guess we disagree with what what came on after that because I think that uh, Heaven Is Whenever. There were still a handful of good songs. It just didn't hold together as an album. There's, there's, and there there's were, one or two, and the lows on but, that album were much lower than the lows on the other one. But like Adam, what you're saying, like, uh, and I don't know if have you heard these albums that we're talking about? Uh, not really, not really. But so what you're saying about them using the studio as an instrument, mm-hmm. like when they operate best is when they are not doing. That's that. what I'm saying. That's that's and, just what it sounds like. And on these here. other albums, like they went a little into doing the studio as sort of like the sixth member of the band mm-hmm. um, to like uh, ill effect. Right. <laughs> um, and it, and they, it, they and have it, many toys to play with and made the mistake of actually playing with them. Like I will yeah. contend that this band actually lives or dies on Craig Finn's writing. Great lyrics. That's what yeah. I dug about. I, I really yeah. loved him and his voice is. I'm, I'm just speaking as someone who's not hyper familiar with it. Right. right. So like, okay, I'm just a guy who put it on. The singer, uh, I, I found myself thinking about Bob Mould a lot when mm-hmm. I was listening to him for some reason. Yeah, he's I don't definitely know. pulling from that tradition. I was yeah. gonna say, given that Husker Du is one of his biggest influences, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but then again, like uh, the, his voice, I think he's got a great voice. And I don't know if this is going to sound terrible or not. When I this might be a terrible fucking comparison, but he sings like. If Dicky from the Boston's had like a brother who had his shit together and like got a master's degree, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the guy sang, yeah, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's, that's you amazing. Know, yeah, yeah. That, what, that's what he sounds like to me. And because um, you know, Dick Dicky from the Boston's is like a, a professional douchebag. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But like that guy, he sings with that same kind of inflection, but he's not like like 
Mr. Party guy with the with the horn section and stuff sure. like that. He's actually sure. doing interesting stuff. But I loved his lyrics. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was uh, telling kind of interesting stories like a lot of lyrics from um rock these days, you know, there's not a lot of narrative there and there doesn't have to be narrative. Um, but you know, you could you could you can get a story here, and it was an interesting story. The the big sig, for the, instance, yeah, which, which we're going to hear. Yeah. But the, yeah, there's there's generally a story in every song, and there's generally a, a concept of an album, right? Which that actually ended, I think, with "Stay Positive." But would you agree, Paul? I mean, that was more like a a feeling. I mean, yeah, and it was Stay right in the title. Was a, Stay, "Stay Positive" was a little bit more of like a sense poem. That that almost felt like uh, valedictory. Like yeah. it, it was, it was there. It was, it was summing up everything from constructive summer to the song "Stay Positive." It was like bringing together the vibe of their live shows mm-hmm. and what they'd been through with their fans into an album format, which is what was really cool about it. But it would not be an introductory album for anybody. Like you, that album more than any of the other ones that they made. I think you had to know the Hold Steady to like that album, right? Right. There was a, they had some balls too because like I was saying that there were some guitar solos on there and just even doing that kind of guitar solo now is is risky because because people it laugh is, people risky, laugh but, uh, at uh, guitar solos like that now say, they uh, seem cliche don't uh, they yeah you know? but I, I think it's expected for this band and I think there's yeah. a lot of moments on this album um, you know I want to get to that uh, but like real quick about like living or dying by Craig Finn's writing is that. I think a lot of the guitar solos on this album come in when the writing is off. Mm-hmm. And, I, it, and it covers his writing it is tight on this album. No, I don't know it's what not. you're talking about. Like the guy tells good stories, he communicates right. them well. Like I don't you love the hold steady, so I have a really hard time <laughs> understanding what you don't like about this album. Because <laughs> so if if you go back to Separation Sunday as like that he created these characters and stuff, and I think what you were saying, like he, 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 he can't uh, write about the same things. I think he can, and I think he should. And I think where it falls down is when he tries not to, and tries to sort of cover up that he's he is in fact talking about the exact same thing, just with different characters. Maybe forty years on. No, and I mean, it, look, and if you're gonna have that, try to have that kind of continuity over the career of your writing. Like, just fucking use the same characters. No, look, come on, that's that's not fair. There's general <sighs> themes that always that always reemerge. The same stories are told over and over again in in yeah. different media, but you can't have. I don't think he wants to be boxed into having every song be about Charlemagne and Holly. Like, sure, that, so, that so narrative needs, arc has been needs... played out pretty much. So, right. like, so his his kind of narrative pool. He's been writing about what the same, the same situations and 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 a the lot first, of the same characters. From and the first those, few same albums. characters. And on previous albums, what's happened is he's he's sort of name checked him, almost like an Easter egg to fans. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, he said something about Charlemagne. Like so he's real people, or is he's like no. fiction? Wow. Well, well, they're. They could be. That's kind of ballsy to yeah, be all I mean, literary he, like that well, he, on yeah, a rock he's, record. He's you known know? for being like literary, and, and their other albums are way more literary. But he, like, like have faith in those characters and bring him forward into this now, or or write a song. Like, I really want to know a song like what Craig Finn feels at this point, because like you said, he's he's my age. Like, we're the same age. Is we're, it what Craig Finn feels <laughs> the solo album that you did not like? <laughs> yes. It might be, but that he wasn't backed up by that. That was a train wreck because he wasn't backed up by the hold steady. He actually didn't know the band like that he went in the studio with. He went to Austin, Texas, actually, to record the album and just like somebody booked me a band and they uh, did. He showed up in the studio and knocked uh, it out, which you know points for spontaneity, but. It's never going to end up. Yeah, but I like, could I could spontaneously do an addition on my house, and it's not going to turn out well. <laughs> right. but look, you know? the thing is, I don't I don't think he does need to do that because not everybody is confessional. It doesn't have to be all about the feels. Like you can talk about your experiences through a layer of narrative, which is what he does. You don't have to be confessional in your songs, and they're a bar band. That's what they aspired to be. They were like, we want to be the best damn bar band out there. When they first got together, they didn't even know if they'd go on tour. They just got together and were like, yeah. we're going we're gonna to play these songs. We're going to see where this goes. And I feel like everything they've done since then has been spinning out that same construct. I mean, they put on one of the best live shows you'll ever see. They do. They've got right. an extraordinarily dedicated fan base. And I think that they're still cranking out good albums. All right, well, let's hear a song. This uh, what we were talking about, Big Sig, right. and then uh, get back on the air with Matt on things about old men talking about rock. <laughs> <laughs> 
cigarettes Ever since she was seven She always likes the big ones best You get more for your money And I know that she's gorgeous And I can't take her serious She looks kind of ridiculous With a Malibu 120s So now she's a scientist She puts me into experiments Squeezes hard and charts the forward progress She's got some pills in her purse One to wake you up One if you're nervous And I said my purpose Barks on her skirt and smoking her eyes I said my purpose We power down and so she lies my purpose She can probably find a better guy I said my purpose Not in the benefit What's a pretty big opening Therapist says it's dangerous The way she seeks validation Some night she's a magic trick Some night she's a sinking ship She puts around a paper clip She's a pistol at the party Wants me to start it All right, so that, that that's Big Sig. Uh, it comes about halfway through the album. I think it comes uh, after a few, and it, like the only thing in the Ambassador sort of eh, low, low points. Um, so, Madeline, <laughs> we just established you might have heard like Boys and Girls in America when you were like twelve. Well, I don't but, think I heard it when I was twelve. I think I heard it some point. Right. Give her some credit. Boys and Girls did not come out when she was twelve. Was it ten years ago? Ten years no, ago. no, ten years ago was almost killed me. Okay, so okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're just like so as far as rock records goes. I know you don't all the time get into like like the straight up guitar wreck or guitar rock. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess not. No, I I don't dislike it, and I think I I would be interested to see them live, especially mm-hmm. since they have such a good live show April I guess 7th. <laughs> 930 we'll club me Paul and Andre <laughs> shit show I don't know if I should be involved in that no. I'll let you guys have your guys <laughs> night but um I guess I just like just upon that first listen I don't know like what differentiates them from other like mm-hmm. guitar centric rock his voice I guess is kind of different and I guess if I were to pay attention to the lyrics maybe that would be where it comes through for me sure um so yeah. Yeah. Well, that that actually, that, I think their goal was sort of to make a big dumb rock band when they started. So like, if I if I can put down, like put Craig Finn aside for the moment, like what I think about his work going forward and stuff, I think as that, like this is a great album for that because they added uh, what's his name? They added the guitarist. Like said, they doubled up. Um, this was after the Game of Thrones thing, which should have made you happy, Paul. <laughs> it did make me happy. The Bear and the Maiden Fair the was Bear great. And the Maiden Fair. I saw um, the Game of Thrones exhibit at South by. <laughs> I'm very jealous of that. Did you sit in the Iron Throne? I didn't actually. I'm sorry. So, so uh, don't have Steve Steve uh, Selvage. So they added a second guitarist, and like I said, pulled Craig Finn off of this. There's some honestly, like. Def Leppard worthy guitar moments on here. I mean, this is like big dumb guitar rock, uh, fronted by a literate guy. Um, so, so like, I so guess I'd what call I'm, it big smart guitar rock. <laughs> when that comes in, but like the underlying thing, like there's you know a song it should end in like six minutes and then it goes on to like eight minutes more because it's fucking like double guitar solos and just like that. I think what Paul you were talking about is a is where the return to form is. I think take they like Tad Kubler like might it sounds like he took a little more control of where they were going stylistically and be like, look man, we need to get back to what we were doing and then we'll work out the rest of the shit later. Um, 
so like on that alone, like I think this is like a good record. It's going to be great live. It's going to be like just something. Yeah, just drink a bunch of beers too and fucking like go nuts. But yeah, well, and I'm also looking forward to seeing what they do at this live show because I think you'd agree with me. We've been to a lot of these I've shows now, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that the last show they felt a little burned out. I think they were a little bitter about it was the being, end of the tour. Well, and they were at U Street Music Hall, yeah. and that was a little weird. Of what? A play. Yeah, that's they, really weird. So they, they thought it was, too. Well, that, that was the first thing Craig <laughs> well, Finn said was like, hey, look, we're like in a club basement or something here. Cool. And I, and I think that's that was indicative of, of probably how like uh, heaven is whenever is received. Um, you know, you don't have to like reinvent the wheel uh, every time you do something. But like the further you get away from like the core, um, you're not going to be bringing more people in. And I think so at that point, like people uh, who their fan club is called the unified scene. It's a quote from a song and like those core people are always going to be there. And it's, it's pretty large, but you know, they sold out that club, like the street music hall immediately. They could not fill the nine thirty club at that point. This, um, but that was recently though, right? That was just, I, like I also, last... th- I think they would have filled the nine thirty club. I think that was, you know, I don't want to speak out of school with nine thirty club yeah. here because I have no, Inside information on that. That was when they were doing a lot of their joint promotions, trying to really push you Street Music Hall. Yeah. So I think they that was the same winter they had. Do a us a favor their, and go play at U Street Music Hall. Yeah, they had a couple right. other big acts that, that went through U Street Music Hall because they were just trying to cross promote a lot more with them. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I have a question about the fan base. Not mm-hmm. that it really matters in the grand scheme of things, but like, are there females at these Absolutely. shows? They just sound like a guy's guy. You, yeah, you band would to me. Yeah, no, so. it, it's it's very similar, and, and I, their career path I think has been very similar to uh, Drive By Truckers. Okay. Um, so it's just people who are like hell bent on rock and roll, and you know they go. Uh, they're all very like supportive of each other. Uh, I mean, I, I think more this scene more so than say the trucker scene is like there. There will be a huge meetup mm-hmm. before the show across the street the 930 club for this uh, and huge I mean like hundreds of people that come from all over because it of sounds it. dangerously like you're getting into like Jimmy Buffett parrot head well it, territory it, it, it is for rock do you have a problem with that <laughs> I've been to Jimmy Buffett man I have a severe problem with parrot heads um, Jesus that's but, another podcast yeah, that's <laughs> another podcast but yeah so I mean they um, theirs is is way more I have to say way more inclusive of that than the truckers okay um, which the truckers are playing tonight, actually. Well, yeah, and last play, night and tonight. Last night. Um, yeah, so it, it, it is a very uh, supportive scene that is going to stick with them through whatever. I think this might get back to the business of actually bringing in more fans. Like, you should go see them. Just to see. You shouldn't be anywhere near me, Andre or Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want beer, like, thrown all over you. Is but. it on a Friday night, too? Monday it's night. It's on a Monday oh, night. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know about that. But, uh, so, Adam, where are you going to fall on this? Uh, I'll buy it. Yeah? I'll buy it. I liked it. I liked what I heard. I, um, you know, not knowing anything. Real, I mean, heard of them, of course. Mm-hmm. Never uh, sat down and listened to them. So, this is a, a decent introduction. Um I'm I'm also a little intrigued now. Now that this is all apparent, I don't know if this is this a literary thing. Is it still in that literary yeah, I'll, tradition? I'll, I'll get you before you leave today a copy of Separation Sunday. Okay, and you should. Yeah, I mean this is because if this is kind of like a long musical novel, the guy's doing it's like well, that's that's an interesting way of going about things, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be willing to check out the earlier stuff too. But I like the band. I like the sound. I liked his lyrics. Um, a tight band. Mm-hmm. Um. And they were tight, again, without having to rely on um, all the little bits of ones and zeros yeah. that are available to anybody in a studio now. Um, sounded great. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Madeline? Stream it. Stream it. Buy it. <laughs> buy the copy Kevin doesn't want to buy. Give it to someone who will appreciate it. Oh, you see? See, you don't know me at all, Paul, because I'm going to buy it. Oh! <laughs> upset! So, because, like I said, I have a history with this band. I take it very personally. I um, like when I was in the hospital. Like I don't. I think I've told you about this, but like on painkillers, like had my chest cut open and everything. It was a weird, nervous tick. I kept repeating the opening line of of their career. It started off with a positive jam, mm. over and over and over and over. Like we're talking for like twelve hours. So I have a deep love of this band that has. Uh, 
in the past few albums, I've been sort of like, Meh. but this feels a little better. And so I can be okay with like less round Craig Finn, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, even if he still isn't finding his way as, as solidly, and you'll hear this when you hear the other ones, as solidly as he was in the earlier albums, it's promising that he's going to, he's, he's, he's worked through this and is moving to something else. I still think this is transitional, Paul. We'll see. Yeah, we, we will see. Uh, now we're going to move on to a synth pop band. I guess it's an apt description. That's how they from, build themselves. Yeah, from Baltimore. Uh, this is Future Islands. So that is uh, Seasons, uh, the first track actually off the fourth album from Baltimore's Future Islands. Uh, Paul is allergic to their dancing, but obviously, <laughs> obviously, his dancing is his so great. Amazing. Well, just watch the clip of him on yeah, Letterman. It's, it's awesome. It's fucking amazing. Is, I, I, I don't. Um, I'm not sure what the accurate like antonym of awesome is, but that's what that is. <laughs> So, um, so, so these guys. This is a uh, trio, I believe. Uh, uh, there's four of them. Is there four of them? Yeah, now? at least live. There's four of them. There is. Uh, there's a touring drummer. Yeah. So um, it is uh, Jarrett Wellmers, uh, William Cashin, and uh, Samuel Herring is the front man with right. the moves. Yeah. Uh, they have, I think, uh, they have a good reputation around here. They definitely have a, a good reputation, sort of in the more punk community. I think. Uh, which is weird. I saw them um, in 2011, or I think it was 2011, uh, opening for Wyoke. And at that point, there wasn't a lot of, of buzz about them. And quite frankly, it was weird. Yeah, no, I Be- saw them at uh, Free Fest, I guess, in 2000, probably that same year, and thought the same thing. So they've grown on me since then. Yeah. But I, I thought the same thing. I was like, this is weird. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Well, I, I don't know if they've maybe... I mean, they, they may have grown of you, but I think this album in particular, I'm not sure that it is... Is it they're growing on people? I think they just, like, made a better album, made a better product. That, but also, I mean, Sam's dancing is a little... Like, just Sam and his <laughs> presence is weird, and I think that's something that has to grow on you. Yeah, yeah. If you look at their Twitter account, it says... And this is as apt, like... I was going to write a review, but I can't beat this. It says... Too noisy for new wave, too pussy for punk, <laughs> and that, that's about it. Um, but this is this is uh, sort of uh, almost like the intelligent rock uh, of Hold Steady, like but applied to a synth pop thing. I would say, uh, circling back to last week's conversation, Adam, back to the, like the soundtrack stuff we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, this specifically, the first time I I heard it, uh, there was a movie with Anthony Edwards called Miracle Mile. Sure, you can throw this into any John Hughes movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and but this Miracle Mile thing was uh, Tangerine Dream. Okay, and I have a really hard problem believing they weren't listening to that nonstop because it, it almost thematically follows like the soundtrack follows the themes of the movie and thematically mm-hmm. follows this. The movie, by the way, is Anthony Edwards getting a call, a random call at the phone booth. It says the missiles have launched, and in fact, the missiles have launched. That's not a spoiler. The movie is twenty years old, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's literally the end of the world, and it's it's fantastic. But it has this dreamy, like synthy, uh, some at some points dancey uh, soundtrack to it, and they're definitely like going for that. Um, I do think at some points. Well, I don't know. It, it, you said you you listen to this, Adam. So this? here's the thing. Okay, just a disclaimer. I'm a fan of the form. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the form. Like I, I like, uh, you know, I, I grew up liking, um, you know, Yaz and 
mm-hmm. uh, the Pet Shop Boys. When and it was dangerous in my house to listen to that stuff because my cement-headed brothers would be like, you know, nice music, man. Did your girlfriend, <laughs> did, your, did your boyfriend get get, get that for you? You know, yeah. um, and you know, I, I like the form. I like that that kind of um, new Peter Hook kind mm-hmm. of bass thing played with a pick and really reverbed out. And but having said that. This guy's voice is fucking killing me. Is it the voice, it's really? Fucking, it's it's an app. Not it's an affectation. Is it because it sounds more or Here's less like thing. Kermit? There, there are there are affectations, vocal affectations all over music. Uh-huh. Not even rock music. There are vocal affectations in jazz and opera, and I don't have a problem with that. But this is like an amateurish affectation. Like if I went to a fucking dinner theater in Albany, New York. And and like saw a dinner theater version of the Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show. The, you, like this is the guy, the guy playing Frankenfurter would sound like this motherfucker. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna mic up my laugh for that. No, That's great. Seriously, he's just, he's killing me, man. And, and let's say it really made me angry because I liked I liked the band. Like I didn't even notice it on that song that we were the first song. Yeah, didn't really notice it because I was like, oh, okay, wow, I like the form. I like where they're going with this. And then the second one, the second song. uh Let's see. Uh, is it Spirit? Yeah. yeah. Spirit. That song starts, sounds like a Yaz song. Yeah. I'm like, absolutely. wow, I really like where these guys are going. And then then his vocals kick in and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so. All right. That's, that's, this is, this is going to be a problem because it's not, he's doing like, he's doing what a guy from Carborough, North Carolina thinks a British accent sounds like. Yeah. Go. I was just going to say, that's one of the things that had to grow on me about Future Islands is his voice. Because the first time I saw them, and it's actually funny that you mentioned the dinner theater. Because I, I, I thought Sam was like a failed actor. <laughs> just like, in his presence and just, you know, be. how he was presenting himself. I think more interesting than that is like how gruff his voice gets. And it sounds almost like sounds- guttural, like death metal voice. Mm-hmm. Does anybody notice that he also sounds like he gets Jack Black kind of? He yeah. sounds like Jack Black from yeah. Tenacious D. When yes. he's, but he's, he but he's not joking. Like he's not yeah. joking. No, no, no. That's the thing. Well, he's, he's not joking. He's being serious. And I'm like, dude, you can't... You, there's That's what's terrifying. There's nothing tongue-in-cheek about this. If this was like a parody, I'd, I'd, shit, I'd get it. But yeah. it's not. He's serious. Well, but I mean, you don't you know? think that's just the way his voice sounds naturally? You think he's... Putting it on. No, he's, he's got it. He might as well be wearing a fucking cape. This is all theatrics. <laughs> Paul, this is all Paul, theatrics. Your head. You can't. I, I, look, I, I'm letting you guys. You got, you got a good conversation going here. Like, I, I don't know. I, my my head was in the hold steady, and all I kept thinking of with this was at least in dying, we don't have to go through new wave for a second time. Oh. Like, it's it's not oh. good. <laughs> It's it, it, look. I don't. I, full disclosure. I don't like '80s style synth pop. This is true. I do not. It's a, it's consistent, and this is that with a lot of old man emotions in it. And it's just that's worse. It's worse. But is it is it worse because like you can't relate to the old man emotions, or because you relate too strongly to them, Paul? No, it's worse <laughs> because I don't need like confessional emo synth pop it's just not something i need in my life but I th- correct me if i'm wrong that was a good portion of your life waxahachie last what that wasn't <laughs> not there's not a well, it's in not waxahachie you're right, at all you're, you're right but what's the difference i mean so let's talk about his voice real quick what's the difference <laughs> yeah uh, what's the difference what's the it's, a, it's a woman there's singing a about different here. things there's a track on different here where for like there's a track on here where for like 40 seconds he is singing in his normal voice. Yeah. And I'm like, more of that. Yeah. You know, you just Jesus, man. You know, it, it's he's singing it fine, you know, and then, you know, Nigel, North Carolina comes in and just high school drama clubs all over the place. Yeah. And it's just I mean, fucking terrible. And look, man, there, there, there is know? a theatricism to Back in the Tall Grass is the song I'm thinking of. Yeah. First, first 30 seconds of that, when he actually starts singing, I'm like, okay. It's 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 not even like his register. He's kind of deep, and mm-hmm. and but it it sounds normal. And it's like uh, there's nothing in that that makes me think this is gonna get terrible. And then right. it gets terrible <laughs> and it, because you... because he starts with the the the, the acting. I, yeah. You know? Well, there there. I mean, look, rock and roll has its theatrics to it. So I agree that it is awkward when that happens. Mm-hmm. That is actually when I first put it on. That's the exact reaction I had. But it just reminds me, like am, the first two Ministry albums, 
The guy had the guy had a fake British accent. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. The first two Ministry albums, the guy had a fake British accent, and it was the most laughable shit you've ever heard in your life. This guy has a fake British accent. I'm right, calling him out on his god. You know, he's from Carolina, moved to Baltimore. At no point in his life was he ever in fucking England. <laughs> All right, let's hear. Let's Their hear fan a song. club's going to write in about the influence that his, his, fan, his, UK his, his fan club can kiss my ass. <laughs> let's hear a song for our grandfathers and come back, and then Madeline can unleash the fury. This. <laughs> to get how Adam feels. God, how dare you do that? That's like fucking... a bad reaction to the voice. He's it's, it's a waste of a, a pretty good idea for a band. He, well, that's what I think. It's okay. a waste of a perfectly good idea of the band because he has to. Paul is going to be the one who's fucking furious, but no. <laughs> I'm more indifferent. I don't bring the fury like this. <laughs> this has touched the nerve with you, Adam. It has, man. Because I, th- you know, again, I, I, I've, I've always been a fan of, um, I've always been a fan of that that form of music. You know, it's, it's, and I'm a, I'm, I'm like a drummer. You're you a think drummer. I, you yeah. think I'd hate drum machines and stuff like that, but uh, you know, I, I, I actually really liked a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I thought. Uh, that had that sort of music um, was more related to Motown mm-hmm. than anything else, you know, in, in terms of like melody and, and structure. Oh, sure, sure. And I liked it a lot. And uh, you know, it went away, of course, like it's going to. It, like you know, there's, yeah, yeah. there was no. It wasn't going to be perfect. It wasn't going to stay around forever. But the point is, is if you're going to go back and visit that, try to bring something else to the table. And this guy just brought his shitty sense of theatrics to it <laughs> and ruined it. <laughs> Ruined it. <laughs> Fuck him. I don't, I don't even. I mean, I'm sorry if I've just completely took no, shit on the coffee just, table it's, here, it's but like, like you know, uh, like it's weird because I I absolutely see where you're coming from. It's like what you're saying. Um, I I wish. Because I, I love this album. I, I will not... I'll, I'll just tell you. I, okay. I absolutely love this album. I think I am shocked that this early in the year that we're getting, like, so many good albums, like, in a row. Like, I, I got in... I listened to it because everybody was like, you have to listen to this because it's big. It's coming out. It's got the push. It's an opening ninth clip. Whatever. And I was like, oh, I sort of remember those guys. And then I listened to it. And I listened to it again. And I was like, oh, wait. All right. So this is, like, very squarely, like, my jam right now. Like, but... At the same time, I know, like, like I said, I just there, there is 
a barrier to entry and you're either going to like get over it or or not and neither one is right or wrong it's just like there there is a problem with the voice <laughs> like there's a severe problem i think it's i think i need a shower after that <laughs> i think it's more muppety and i can appreciate the theatrics like right. going on in this for what they're doing like i personally i don't understand how much hype they're getting like they're about to sell it to 9:30 club right i don't get that like this is I, a- I I mean, I think it's Letterman. Like ever since then, like they've been the buzz band. Yeah, but Roadkill Ghost Choir was on Letterman too. And but he didn't he- freak out about them the same way yeah, that he right. did. And Roadkill Ghost Choir doesn't have hooks like that for everything that's no, like they don't. for everything else that's said. That song has got hooks. Yeah. people hear that and they're yeah. and a lot of folks who like this kind of music are gonna, are going to want to jump in on it. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think, and that's at the end of the day, it's what pushed at least me past that is is the hooks there are many and they're deep throughout the whole album the, the song uh which one is it? is the third song uh, morning sun i think it is uh sun in the morning it's got this great like fake horn thing and that's what's great about it it's mm-hmm. it's clearly a keyboard horn going on that is just this weird like loser triumphant thing no that's and you're just like you're just like yeah, that's, nerds. The, that's what I, that's what I liked about it. I mean, that's one of the one other thing that I liked about you know kind of the original synth pop form is that they weren't they didn't waste a lot of time trying to make this stuff sound like actual instruments. They were like, fuck it, it's a drum machine. Fuck it, here's a terrible Casio horn, and and you know, fuck it, here's the bassoon <laughs> that doesn't sound anything like a bassoon, and 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 we're just going to work within. Um, those kind of technological constraints and we're going to make something new out of it and that's that's why i like synth pop that's why i like the form well, i think you know, but, and, and you're talking about like older synth yes like because newer synth pop i i i'm also surprised that i like this because i i, I abhor it mm. there's nothing to it but like there is the hilarious thing about uh older synth pop is that that they, you can see them, and they, f- you can tell they feel they're rocking as hard as the hold steady, as like as if they had like twenty guitars in their hands, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, we're kicking it out!" And the resulting sound is just like, yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah, and it's and it's hilarious. Well, that's a very British British way to rock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's pretty. That's that's kind of like public school British. That's how the public school British guys in the eighties used to rock. But it's hilarious. But it also makes it also makes you feel good because you're just like, well, I mean, if they're doing it fuck yeah it. like I'm, I'm okay with that you know it's it doesn't have to be it's there's it, you're not going to get a religious experience out of this shit you know it's no. just it's, it's just like it's just good music to yeah. me i think anyway yeah and this and this guy <laughs> what's his name sam fuck Harry. him fuck sam <laughs> sorry I'm being, you know, no, no 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 it's very okay. pointed yeah it's very i think should, i mean it just it's just like about 20 seconds into it I was like, okay, it, it, it. There's a dreadful possibility here that this guy's serious. That's what I but thought. What's wrong with that, though? Like, I think that's admirable. Like, he's taking something that he believes in and is, like, if you were to go see them, I think, like, it's so genuine from him. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just, I don't think it's fair to criticize him for like being so genuine. Uh, okay, um, I, I see your point totally. I'm with you. I just, I just let me let me put it this way: um, the kid, the three-year-old building a sculpture out of play, Play-Doh is genuine. That doesn't mean the sculpture is good. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a very fair criticism. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, but like, I think we all agree this isn't changing lives. No, no, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. But I think, like, in terms of synth pop, especially newer synth pop. Mm. Which all sounds the same. Like this is his vocals are kind of like the deciding factor, at least for me. Yeah. And on top of that, his presence and how he sings and just how much of himself he puts into a show is just kind of like the extra mile yeah. that I think is and, and and the show and the album though are two different things. Yeah. So possibly Adam, you could see them and be like, Oh, I I'm okay with that. I don't know, man. Probably not, <laughs> but possibly. Probably not. Uh, you so, know, uh, it just it's it, it's the the guy's voice killed me. Okay. It, it killed the guy's voice and his affectations and his mannerisms 
um, just they just they just killed me. They 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 they. I would I would love this band, and I would love the sound if they had a different singer. All right. And I and like which which means there wouldn't be a band anymore because apparently this guy is the singer. But I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't I can't I can't do well, it. Well, unless Paul can't. has anything to add. <laughs> I said my piece. I got nothing. <laughs> let's, let's close it out. So, so where, where are you going to fall, Adam? Aside from like, fuck you, Sam. Um, I will not buy it. Okay. I would take it out to Aberdeen, Maryland, where the army checks their artillery. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and I'd, I'd All right. So in, this is a full the, pass. Yeah. This is a full pass. Wow. Madeline. Stream. Stream. Pass. Pass. I'm going to buy it. Uh, <laughs> I am. I swear to God. Um, and... I'm buying Paul a ticket to the dance party. You can you can give that to somebody else. No, no, no. I don't want it. Uh, I'm suck you in too. All right, so that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because <laughs> it's fun to torture you, man. Uh, all right, so that is our podcast for the week. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably won't do albums again for next week or two. Uh, we have uh, an interview with X Hex. We're trying to put together. Uh, just talked with uh, band My Daughter and Fury, who played here on Thursday. Uh, amazing band, although they're very theatrics, so maybe not I don't mind theatrics. I mind amateur right. bad theatrics. Um, and uh, so we got an interview with them coming up, a lot of good stuff. Uh, but either way, we will see you in about a week. And thank you guys for stopping by again. And we'll talk to you later. Peace.